Chapter Five of the Lances of Linwood by Charlotte Mary Young. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The battle in the days of chivalry was far less destructive than those of modern times. The loss in both armies at Navaretta did not amount to six hundred, and on Pedro's side, but four knights had fallen, of whom Sir Reginald Linwood was the only Englishman on the following day all the four were buried in solemn state at the church of the village of navaretta sir eustace following his brother's bier at the head of all the men-at-arms on returning to his tent eustace found gaston sitting on his couch directing guy the old poitevin who had the blue cross-leaded pennon spread on the ground before him eustace expressed his wonder what exclaimed gaston would i see my knight banneret the youngest knight in the army with a paltry pennon a banneret are you dubbed in the open field entitled to take precedence of all knight bachelors here leonard bring that pennon to me that i may see if it can be cut square poor eleanor's pennon said eustace sadly nay what greater honour can it have than in becoming a banner i only grieve that this blood-stain the noblest mark a banner can bear is upon the swallow-tail but what do i see you a belted knight in your plain esquire's helmet and the blood-stained surcoat ay and not even the gilded spurs he exclaimed indignantly would that i had seen you depart but it was leonard's fault why man knew you not your duty i am no squire of eustace linwood said ashton every squire is bound to serve the knight in whose company he finds himself said dobricourt know you not thus much of the laws of chivalry come bestir yourself that he may be better provided in future you must present yourself to the prince to-morrow sir eustace one of his squires bade me to his presence said the young knight but i must now write these heavy tidings to my poor sister and i am going to father Wallerin's tent to seek parchment and ink and i'll send you the letter by the bearer of the prince's letters to the king sir richard ferrars knows him and will give them into his charge so farewell gaston keep quiet and weary not yourself with my equipment with these words he left the tent and gaston shaking his head and throwing himself back on his deerskins exclaimed tender and true brave and loving i know not what to make of eustace linwood his spirit is high as a paladine's of old of that i never doubted yet is his hand as deft at writing as a clerk's and his heart as soft as a woman's how he sighed and wept the livelong night when he thought none could hear him well sir reginald was a noble knight and is worthily mourned but where is the youth who would not have been more uplifted at his own honours than downcast at his loss and what new-made knight ever neglected his accoutrements to write sad tidings to his sister-in-law but he continued 
rising again guy bring me here the gilded spurs you will find yonder the best were i know buried with sir reginald and methought there was something amiss with one rowel of the other so it is speed to maitre ferry the armourer and bid him come promptly and lie you still on your couch meanwhile master dobricor said guy or there will soon be another squire missing among the lances of linwood oh, i marvel at you dobricor said leonard looking up from a pasty which he was devouring with double relish to make up for past privations i marvel that you should thus weary yourself with your fresh wound and all for naught call you our brave young banneret not shame on thee all england should be proud of him much more his friend and companion i wish eustace linwood well with all my heart said leonard but i see not why he is to be honoured above all others yourself gaston so much older so perfect in all exercises you who fought with this frenchman too of whom they make so much the prince might as well as have noited you as eustace who would have been down in another moment had not i made in to the rescue methinks if i had been the prince i would have inquired upon whom knighthood would sit the best and the choice would have been the same said gaston not only was sir eustace the captor of monsieur bertrand whereas my luck was quite otherwise but what would knighthood have availed the wandering landless foreigner as you courteously term me save to fit me for the leadership of a band of routiers and unfit me for the office of an esquire which i do as you say understand indifferently well is it not the same with him cried leonard he does not own a palm's breadth of land and for gold all he will ever possess is on those broken spurs of his brothers listen to me leonard said gaston rich or poor sir eustace is the only fit leader of the lances till the little boy is of age but this he could not be without knightly rank even in this campaign when i might have taken the command i being disabled for the present it must have devolved on him who might not have been so readily obeyed no indeed said leonard strange that the touch of a prince's sword should make so great a difference between him and me if it was the touch of the prince's sword that did so said gaston what else sharply retorted leonard not height nor strength his hand and arm might belong to a girl i could crush it in my grasp so saying he extended a huge hard red palm ay said gaston i should like to see whether that great paw would have won du guesclin's sword i tell you flatly proceeded ashton i might follow sir reginald since he was a man of substance honoured in our country 
and my father meant to oblige and do him grace by placing me with him. Grace, repeated Gaston. But, continued Ashton angrily, as to servant Eustace, the clerk, no older than myself, half a head shorter, and a mere landless upstart, that my father's son shall never do. Say you so, said Gaston. I recommend you not to do so quite so loud, or perchance the landless upstart might hand your father's son over to the provost marshal for preaching disaffection to his men. And in good time, here comes the master armorer. The rest of the day was spent by Gaston in the arrangement of the equipments, so important in his estimation, and scarcely another word was spoken save on the choice of helm and shield, and the adaptation of crests and blazonry. The next point for consideration was the disposal of the prisoners taken by the lances of Linwood in the early part of the battle. Two were squires, the other four rough-looking men-at-arms, who protested that they could not pay one denier towards their ransom. Eustace liberated them, and was greatly inclined to do the same by the squires, but Gaston assured him it would be doing wrong to the prince's cause to set the rogues free without taking some good French crowns from them, and therefore, permitting him to name what ransom he thought fit, he returned to them their horses and dismissed them to collect the sum. Early the next morning Gaston had the satisfaction of beholding his young banneret arrayed in knightly guise, the golden spurs on his heels, Du Guesclin's sword by his side, and his white mantle flung over his shoulder. Leonard was summoned to accompany him, but he growled out something so like an absolute refusal and utter disclaimer of all duty to Sir Eustace, that Gaston began to reproach him vehemently. "'Never mind, Gaston,' said Eustace. "'You never mend matters with him in that way.' I shall do very well alone. So you shall never go, said Gaston, rising. I will go myself. I have been longing to see you, received by the prince. Where's my sword? Nay, Gaston, said Eustace, that must not be. See how the hot sunbeams lie across that hill between us and the prince's tent. You must not waste your strength if it is true that we are to journey to burgos to-day it shows how new your chivalry is that you make so much of a mere scratch said gaston hastily commencing his preparations guy go you and saddle brigliador no do not touch brigliador said eustace you deny it in vain gaston your face betrays that you do not move without pain I learnt some leechcraft among my clerkly accomplishments, and you had better take care that you do not have the benefit. Leonard, since it is the only way to quiet him, I order you to mount. Leonard hung his head and obeyed. They rode towards the village of Nahara, where Eustace found the prince entering the church to hear morning mass giving his horse to john ingram he followed among the other knights who thronged the little building 
the service at an end he received more than one kind greeting from his brother's friends and one of them sir richard ferrars a fine old man whose iron-gray locks contrasted with his ruddy complexion led him forward to present him to the prince of wales welcome our new-made knight said edward brave comrades i present to you the youngest brother of our order trusting you will not envy him for having borne off the fairest rose of our chaplet of navaretta bertrand du guesclin who stood among the throng of nobles around the prince was the first to come forward and shake eustace by the hand saying with a laugh nay my lord this is the first time the ugliest knight in france has been called by such a name however young sir may you win and wear many another that scarcely may be a sincere wish monsieur bertrand said the duke of lancaster unless you mean roses of love instead of roses of war and truly with his face and the fame he owes to you methinks he will not find our damsels at bordeaux very hard of heart see he blushes as if we had guessed his very thought truly my lord john said old sir john chandos sternly a man may well blush to hear a son of king edward talk as if such trifling were the reward of knighthood his face and his fame forsooth as if he were not already in sufficient danger of being cockered up like some other striplings on whom it has pleased his highness to confer knighthood for as mere a chance as this you have coloured his cheek in good earnest said the captal de bouche consider chandos this is no time to damp his spirit it were a spirit scarce worth fostering if it is to be damped by a little breath of the lips one way or the other said sir john moving off and adding when out of eustace's hearing a likely lad enough had he been under his brother's training but they will spoil him and i will have no hand in it eustace had been accustomed to hold the warrior in such veneration that he felt considerably hurt and mortified at the want of welcome which contrasted with the kindness of the rest and he could hardly recover his self-possession sufficiently to inquire the pleasure of the prince with regard to his brother's troop take command yourself said edward you surely have some esquire or man-at-arms who can supply your own want of experience my brother's squire gaston d'obricourt is well learned in chivalry my lord said eustace and i will do my best with his aid to fulfil my trust it is well said edward the lances of linwood are too well trained easily to forget their duty and i fear not but that you will do well how old is your brother's young heir eight years my lord we will soon have him at bordeaux said edward that he may grow up with my boys in the same friendship as their fathers and now added he turning from eustace to the assembled nobles around him let us part and prepare for our further journey in an hour's time the bugles shall summon you to depart for burgos the prince walked away towards his tent with the captal de bouche and eustace looked around for his horse 
which he saw at no great distance with ingram but leonard ashton was nowhere in sight eustace mounted and rode towards his own tent desiring the yeoman to seek ashton out while he himself proceeded slowly musing with feelings of considerable disappointment and vexation on the reception he had met from sir john chandos the man in the whole camp whose good opinion he would have most valued this is folly thought he however rousing himself after a minute or two of such meditations what said the good old baron but what i know full well myself that i am far from meriting my new honours on whom does it depend but myself to win his praise and by our lady's grace i will make him confess at last that young as i am i can show that i deserve my spurs what ho ingram where is master ashton where you a little like to hear of him sir knight said the yeoman galloping up on his tall flemish horse at the wine-shop yonder in the village with that ill-favoured one-eyed squire that you wot of i called him as you desired and all that i got for an answer was that he would come in his own time and not at your bidding said he so the ungracious headstrong fellow said eustace looking back wistfully and what to do to ride back myself might be the means of getting the whole troop late in starting and disorderly yet to leave him eustace looked at john ingram's comely and stolid face and then almost smiled at himself for seeking counsel from him ride you on john said he tell master dobricourt of the order to depart let all be in readiness by the time i return then turning his horse quickly eustace rode back to the village all was haste and confusion there horses were being led forth and saddled pages grooms and men-at-arms hurrying to and fro bugles sounding everything in the bustle incident to immediate departure he could only make his way through the press slowly and with difficulty which ill suited with his impatience and perplexity in front of the venta a low white cottage with a wooden balcony overspread with vines there was a still closer press and loud vehement voices as of disputants were heard while the various men-at-arms crowded in so closely to see the fray if such it were as to be almost regardless of the horse which eustace was pressing forward upon them he looked over their heads to see leonard but in vain he thought of retreat but found himself completely entangled in the throng at that moment a cry was heard the provost marshal the crowd suddenly he knew not how seemed to melt away from him in different directions and he found himself left on horseback in the midst of the little village green amongst scattered groups of disreputable-looking yeomen archers and grooms who were making what speed they could to depart as from the other side the provost the archers of the guard and sir john chandos entered upon the scene ha what is all this whom have we here exclaimed the old baron sir eustace linwood by my life a fair commencement for your dainty young knighthood ah my word my lord chandos said eustace colouring deeply i am no loiterer here i came but to seek my squire leonard ashton and found myself entangled in the crowd 
"'Aye, aye, I understand,' said Chandos, without listening to him. "'I see how it will be. "'Off to your troop instantly, Master Knight. "'I suppose they are all seeking squires in the wine-shops.' "'You do me wrong, my lord,' said Eustace. "'But you shall be obeyed.' the bugles had already sounded before he reached his own quarters where he found that thanks to gaston all was right the tent had been taken down and packed on the baggage mules the men were mounted and drawn up in full array with his banner floating above their heads and gaston himself was only waiting his appearance to mount a stout mule which martin the horse-boy was leading up and down this is well thanks good gaston said eustace with a sigh of relief as he took off his heavy helmet which had become much heated during the hasty ride in the hot sun no news of the truant asked gaston who but you would have thought of going after him well did i know you would never prosper without me at your elbow eustace smiled but he was too much heated and vexed to give a very cheerful assent he had only time to load Fergus with his armor and mount a small pony before the signal for the march was given and all set forth early in the year as it was the sun already possessed great force and the dry rocky soil of castile reflected his beams so that long before noon it seemed to eustace almost as if their march lay through an oven nor were his perplexities by any means at an end the thirst occasioned by the heat was excessive and at every venta in the villages through which they passed the men called loudly for liquor but the hot fiery spanish wine was as eustace had already been cautioned by father Walleran, only fit to increase the evil by inflaming their blood it was the holy week which was to him a sufficient reason for refraining entirely contenting himself with a drink of water when it could be procured which however was but rarely he would willingly have persuaded his men to do the same but remonstrance was almost without effect and his dry lips refused to utter a prohibition which would have been esteemed at once cruel and unreasonable in his persuasions to gaston he was however more in earnest representing to him that he was increasing the fever of his wound but the squire was perfectly impracticable at first he answered in his usual gay careless manner that the scratch was nothing and that be what it might he had as soon die of a wound as of thirst but as the day wore on it seemed as if the whole nature of the man were becoming changed sometimes he was boisterously loud in his merriment sometimes sullen and silent and when eustace unwearied reiterated his arguments he replied to him not only with complete want of the deference he was usually so scrupulous in paying to his dignity but with rude and scurril taunts and jests on his youth his clerkly education and his inexperience eustace's patience would scarcely have held out but that he perceived that dobricourt was by no means master of himself and he saw in his flushed brow and bloodshot eye reason to fear for the future effect of the present excess there was suppressed laughter among the men at some of his sallies without being positively in disorder the troop did not display the well-arrayed aspect which had always hitherto distinguished the lances of linwood 
and poor eustace wearied and worn out his right-hand man failing him dispirited by chandos's reproach and feeling all the cares of the world on his shoulders had serious thoughts of going to the prince and resigning the command for which he was unfit at last he beheld the cathedral of burgos rising in the midst of the moorish fortifications of the town and halting his men under the shade of a few trees he rode on in search of the marshals of the camp and as soon as the open space where his tents had been assigned he returned to see them raised gaston who had of late become more silent was lifted from his mule and assisted into the tent where he was laid on his couch and soon after eustace was relieved from his anxiety on leonard ashton's account by his appearance he came stumbling in without one word of apology only declaring himself as weary as a dog and throwing himself down on a deerskin on his own side of the tent and was fast asleep in another minute End of chapter five